There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are in France, which means Tubi is more popular than cigarettes for breakfast. It's more popular than considering iced coffee a total abomination. More popular than loving political revolutions. More popular than mer and mer somehow being different words. Tubi, it's more popular than being French. See you in there. Welcome back to Strict Scrutiny, your podcast about the Supreme Court and the legal culture that surrounds it. We're your hosts. I'm Melissa Murray. And I'm Leo Littman. And Kate Shaw was not ready for the episode that we have in store for you today, so she had to take a pass. But listeners, this is a very special episode for a very special season, the start of law school. We know that many of our listeners are law school students or aspiring law school students, and with the start of the new school year... A bunch of people are offering their hot takes for new law students, so we thought we'd get in on the action, strict scrutiny style. And so we are bringing you the very first, and hopefully the first of many, strict scrutiny F-Boy Island crossover episodes. So here we go. For those of you who are looking around quizzically saying, what is this F-Boy Island to which Melissa is referring? Well... Our first piece of law school advice is for you to put down that book, get yourself to a TV, and download HBO Max so you can watch the entire 10 episodes of F-Boy Island. It is required viewing for this podcast. And just to help us explain what F-Boy Island is, we have none other than Mark Moran, one of the contestants on F-Boy Island and a graduate of one of my favorite law schools, the University of Virginia's Law School. So wahoo wah, welcome to the show, Mark. Well, thank you, Melissa, so much for having me. I'm really excited to bridge these two worlds of F-Boy Island and strict scrutiny. So let's do it. Why don't we just start with a little quick about F-Boy Island teaser for our listeners who might not be familiar with the show. Although, again, you should all watch it. Um, But just so you understand the premise, what is F-Boy Island slash what is it about? So F-Boy Island is a a show that was created by this guy, Elon Gale, who a bunch of the success of the Bachelor franchise is attributed to. He was a producer for about 10 years. And so he felt that the the franchise of The Bachelor kind of reached a point uh, in society where how realistic is going on a show to find love that's on national television? You know, maybe it was time for something new. So he had been working on uh, this show that when I signed up for it, it was uh, in all the legal documents, quote unquote, untitled dating show. So uh, I didn't know the name of it at the time. And then uh, imagine having to explain the name of it when you find out to your parents. That was an interesting conversation. <laughs> but <laughs> How about your employer? Did you tell your employer, like, look, I signed up for untitled dating show it turns out that Untitled Dating Show is going to be F-Boy Island. <laughs> <laughs> so so I we, we knew it was Untitled Dating Show. And then when I got back, so we filmed um, from middle of February to the middle of April. And then about two months after, it was when we found out the, the title of it. And the oh, working wow. title. Yeah. So I mean, we didn't know until relatively recently, um, which was, that was a shock, having never done reality TV before. Um, <laughs> Because I I don't watch much reality TV. And then with this, 
at first, uh, so the, the funny backstory about this is so, you know, I, I go to UVA for law and business school. I'm, I've been working as an investment banker on Wall Street for a few years up in New York. And so I was on Hinge one day, which is a dating app in late right, I'm December. I'm sorry, for the over 40s on this podcast, me, what is a Hinge? It, it is a date. It, so Hinge is a dating app. It's kind of like a, a more sophisticated version of Tinder, I would think. Um, but if this, this but a less sophisticated Tinder, version of Grinder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. exa- exactly, okay. exactly. Um, and so, so I'm on it, and I match with this woman who she goes, you know, look, I actually I don't live in New York. I live in L.A., and I have a boyfriend. But have you ever thought about being on TV? And I was, <laughs> no, I'm not going to go on The Bachelor or anything like that. And she kind of kept reaching out and uh, she was ultimately like, you know, okay, some people from Warner Brothers want to talk to you about the premise of the show and answer any questions. Wait, and so, so she like, got to you through a dating app? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess normally for this, people apply. And one of the questions I had to the producers is like, all right, so I know that the premise of this show, which in this tangential answer we're getting to, um, you know, there's good guys and then there's bad guys or F boys. And you don't know who's who, but the production team knows and people apparently could apply to be either one that they had kind of separate casting calls. And so I said, why, how, how does one like apply to be an F boy? And I mean, is it, is it <laughs> hard casting you. them? <laughs> And yeah, the guy was like, you'd be surprised. It's so much harder finding nice guys than it is F-boys. We have thousands of applications to be an F-boy, but it's very hard. (laughs) And so they had to go on dating apps and find regular people who wouldn't think to audition for reality TV to find nice guys. This is amazing. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You you can't make it up. And, And so... It was just hilarious kind of a collision of things. And and then, you know, it's the middle of COVID. I find out I can go to this tropical island, had no idea where it was. Come to find out it was uh, filmed in the Cayman Islands or it was going to be filmed in the Cayman Islands. And The Firm by John Grisham is my favorite book. And he's probably the reason why I went to law school. Well, he's a Charlottesville resident. He is. I I would see him, uh, you know, at the grocery store sometimes when I was in school there. So Don't sleep on Charlottesville. Charlottesville is a fun place with lots of celebrities. Exactly. It really is. I mean, it's been growing a lot recently, too. And if I I, ultimately I want to go back there at some point and go back to Virginia. But for now, stuck up in New York. Um, It's your burden. It's your burden. (laughs) I know. I know. I know. So so where were we on this? Okay. Wait. So so, so, okay. let's just like like hold up. So you have not only a JD from UVA's law school, you have an Mm -hmm. MBA from the Darden School and you are on the hinge, which is really just hinge. (laughs) Like yeah. apparently looking for love and you don't find love. Instead, you find a woman with a boyfriend who happens to be a casting agent for a reality TV show who recognizes you immediately as a nice guy, which apparently is in very short supply. And she thinks you're going to be perfect for this as yet untitled dating show, which becomes <laughs> F-Boy Island. That's correct, Melissa. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's a wild, wild, wild story. To sleep and, her and chance sh- to dream. Like, that is the dream. That's the dream. And it, it was funny, though, because at the time, so I, I've been working for three years. And so I went to law school because of John Grisham books. And then I, I kind of thought initially in the beginning, you know, advice for, for new students, um, you know, that I probably want to go down a transactional route. 
And then I started talking to people. Uh, I have an older brother who's eight years older. So he has a, a, had some friends who are mid-level attorneys uh, doing transactional work. And, and I would talk to them and they're like, look, you know, this, this is not the life that you want to be living. So if you think you want to do business stuff, apply to the business school, see if you can do a JD MBA. So fortunately was accepted to Darden and turned it into four years in Charlottesville. So it was kind of a, a win all around, except for the, the loans that I had to take out to pay for that. So that's why I came to Wall Street. Um, but, uh, so, you know, I, I kind of come up here and then, uh, get cast for this. And I had at work, I'd been getting reviews that were like, Hey, great to work with. Love you. But have you ever thought about, uh, you know, doing broadcast television? And, uh, I hadn't then this, this opportunity via hinge came up and uh, I was like, Oh, this could kind of be an interesting way to take a two month break. Then also see if I like being on camera and uh, it would be something I like to do. But I, I found out it was a comedy and it, you know, it was the, the whole idea of the show is it's a parody of a normal dating show, but it's representative of what modern dating is like that. You're going to have some nice guys and you're going to have some F boys and it's up to, you know, you to figure out who's who and whose intentions are pure and whose aren't. So, that was something that I was like, you know, I, I go and tell a few jokes and it was funny because it, at UVA, one of uh, my favorite experiences there was being part of the libel show, which is um, a comedy show that's put on by the law students at UVA. And I, it, I think it's it's a, a little over 100 years old, actually. So it's, it's one of like the longest running things. And, and it's kind of an opportunity for students to be able to put their massive brains to work uh, doing something other than analyzing cases. And so it, it would just be this hilarious, uh, you know, multiple scene parody of making fun of the law school experience, law in general, and especially the professors. And I'm not sure if, uh, if either of you know Ann Coughlin, mm -hmm. but yeah, uh, as my final uh, act in the libel show uh, in 2018, when I graduated, I um, dressed in drag as Ann Coughlin. I can send you the picture. I love it. And I, I, I honestly, we look spot on and it was hilarious. So we would just <laughs> I do actually funny see stuff it. Like I that. see it. <laughs> I see it. And so that was an experience that for me, it kind of like took me out of a shell, put me on a stage and was like, okay, you know, I kind of like this performance act, the comedy side, this is great. So when F-Boy Island came about, you know, I thought back to my experience at UVA and the libel show. I was like, hey, you know, I, I got a little bit of background in this. So I, I, I think I'm ready for it. So I don't think it's just libel show that got you ready for F-Boy <laughs> Island. I'm going to posit to you, Mark, that law school is perhaps the best training for F-Boy Island, because what is law school but being thrown into an unfamiliar environment where you instantly have to ferret out who's good, who's bad, who you're going to hang with, who's going to help you out in a tight spot, and who's going to utterly gut you if you give them an opportunity, and you know, who's going to win the challenge at the end, like, like the, and, and wind up with the big prize, which, you know, at the end of law school is a JD and, you know, fame as a lawyer, but here on F-Boy Island is the heart of either CJ, Nakia, or Sarah, or alternatively, some big pot of money because you've convinced one of these women that you're actually a nice boy when in fact you are an F-Boy. You describe that perfectly. And I, I honestly think law school is the best training for anything. And it's funny and you can say so many jokes about lawyers. Um, but I do think law school was something for me that I had always wanted to be a lawyer, but I didn't really kind of understand that the value that going to law school would have for me in terms of my career in finance, but also just in general in life. You know, you understand how to analyze arguments from both sides, which I think is something that especially in these polarizing times, not many people have. And you're exposed to different groups of people, but you're also kind of 
taught to learn different aspects and perspectives from various arguments over time. And so for me, it was an amazing academic experience. I think, you know, if you're going from undergrad to law school, you're focused on, you know, you can be a finance major, sociology major, whatever, but you're learning kind of very narrow range of subjects. And, you know, who knows what you're actually learning. But in law school, you know, you're doing everything from international shoe to antitrust to God knows what. And I always thought that, you know, anyone who goes to law school, would be great at Jeopardy after just all the random facts that you pick up on with the one L cases. So Mark, like, you do are you correct. know, you are do correct. you know who was on Jeopardy? Who? who? You have to answer in the no. form of a question. That is, that's a, when, when, when were you on? I need to watch that. It was well before law school. I did it when I was a teenager, but it, like, I, I think you're exactly right. I'm just going to point out that you are not the first law student to actually go on a reality show and be yeah. successful. Um, you know, when I was in law school, this is like many moons ago, Yul Kwan, what, I, I think he actually won Survivor. He was a class, he was like a couple classes ahead of me at Yale. Oh, wow. um, there was a guy at Harvard Law School who did it. And then another guy, I think his name was John Cochran, Rachel who was Lindsay was the bachelorette Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. example after example. I mean, like these it, casting it, exactly. agents don't need to go on Hinge. They need to come no. to orientation. Yeah, or just go on LinkedIn, orientate. Yeah, you know, yeah. they can they can give the speech, look to your left, look to your right. By, you know, the end of the year, one of you is going to be gone. One of these people say, okay. is an F-boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one is an F. Exactly, exactly. Well, what I what I love about the future idea for the the franchise because it got renewed for a second season, of course, it is did. to do an F, yeah. an, right? It's an amazing show. To do show. an F girl island, and then yes. to do an LGBT uh, island, and it's just like you have this whole franchise because it's not just something that only applies to men. Uh, I it, I think it would be hilarious and very entertaining because. To me, one of the things, and I actually, I wrote a, um, uh, I have a guest article coming out in the LA Times within the next week about my experience on it and how eye-opening it was. Because I think when you think about racial diversity in reality TV, not really there, right? And they did a phenomenal job casting, whether it be Hinge or people applying in terms of getting people from all walks of life, getting people from all different socioeconomic backgrounds, careers, and, and with the exception, TikToker. I would say- yeah. Three million content views, creator right? or, or, or followers. <laughs> he has three million followers on TikTok, which is Greg. wild because I, I had like 600 Instagram followers going into the show. And then I, I was pursuing CJ Franco, who, uh, you know, is an influencer. And I was like, honestly, what actually is an influencer? Like, how do you how do you do it? So it was, you know, it was a phenomenal and eye opening experience. But I think it was something that in watching the show, it's like, OK, you look at us, it's like, how the hell are all these guys together living on these twin wooden bunk beds? And how did they get them? But we all became very good friends. And it was funny because the, the production team would get irritated sometimes at how much we were just enjoying hanging out with all the guys rather than just having to go pursue the women. So <laughs> it's Some of funny. the women were a little boring, I'm going to say. One of, one of, one of. Yep, I'm reading between the lines there. She also um, had a very bad picker. She could not tell an oh F boy from a nice over boy to and save over. her You're, life. I was like, girl, all of the signs were there. All it was of the signs. So Garrett Morowski, we were next to each other in, in quarantine uh, for 14 days. So we were kind of isolated in, in these hotel rooms. And he, uh, so, you know, you're there for 14 days. The only other person I could talk to essentially is him because our balconies were adjacent to each other. And I first met him and I was kind of, 
I, it, it was a wild experience. I'd never met anyone who was that kind of L.A. and very just so he is LA. himself. So, so LA. Us. It's like if you were to have aliens design a, a caricature of what you had envisioned someone from L.A. to be, it would be him. Uh, and, Do you think and, he so, fell in love with her for real or was that all part of the act? He uh, he does have acting experience. <laughs> <laughs> what a diplomatic answer. Um, so I, I, I don't want to change the subject from this because um, I yes. don't want to give our listeners too many spoilers. But I do want to return to something you said, Mark, which is about how wonderful law school is for preparation for really like any future plans or different future plans that people might have. And Melissa and I are educators. So just drawing on, you know, some of your recent experiences, I guess I'm curious to know in a contracts class, how would you advise students if they were presented with a contract to participate in an unnamed dating show? Should they say yes? Should they say no? Or should they ask for more information? Like, what is the life lesson that we as educators should be trying to impart to our students? Uh, That is a phenomenal question. I think uh, in life, whenever anyone gets any contract, you should be skeptical of it. Especially Especially when it says untitled dating show. (laughs) Exactly. And it has Warner Brothers at the top and the, you know, addresses in Burbank. Always be very skeptical. And so the contract I got, it was about 45 pages long. And so I read through it and I was a little bit shy. It's like, who, who would sign this? Most people read through it uh, or or don't and just sign it immediately. And that's how people on reality TV do it. What happens is it then really comes to affect you afterwards. And so with this contract, things that I, were, I, I was kind of concerned about was uh, monetization for things afterwards, what you can participate in media-wise, and what is this going to do to you outside of just being on this show that's going to be for two months. And so... Having been on the show now, uh, with the reception being out there, people have come to me who are on the show and said, okay, you know, I didn't get as many followers as I wanted. Can I break this contract? And it's like, no, dude, you can't break the contract because you signed it prior to the show. You're like, oh, honey, no. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, so you think you can go on HBO's dating show, then you're going to go on Too Hot to Handle or Love Island (laughs) or something. And it's like... You know, you should have read through it, but I was able to negotiate a few things that I thought, uh, you know, were a little too onerous and ultimately like came to something that I was comfortable with. I mean, in terms of going on reality TV and signing a contract for reality TV, you have to think, okay, I, I am giving away how this is going to be edited. I have no control over that. I can control myself and my actions on the show, but when it comes to how they're going to portray you, uh, uh-uh. so for me, like I gave this great speech on feminism, the role of vulnerability, and they, within cut masculinity. It? they didn't air it. And so shocking. I, I'm shocked. I, do you want to give that speech now? Yeah, well, it was it was it was essentially so I I was getting called up for elimination and the bottom two would have to give a speech. And so I my thought process, okay, if I I can save myself um, in this unscripted show and give a really good speech, okay, I'm going to go do it. So I kind of had a few bullets in my head of what I was going to say. And uh, with CJ Franco is a very kind of alpha female uh, who I think intimidates a lot of men and especially men on the show. 
I kind of gave a speech that was talking about how so both my parents worked and through them, I was able to kind of see a dual relationship where they're both, you know, working 50-50 in whatever task may be at home together and, you know, through their work to raise a family and how important I think it is to have that 50-50 relationship uh, for, for both people in one. And to be clear, you do not have acting experience. No, okay. no, just the libel show, cool. just the libel okay. show. Um, I have public speaking experience through law school, um, but I would say that it did not come out well when I was doing my uh, my moot court tryout. So, unfortunately, <laughs> what is moot court compared to F Boy Island? Really, that was just a stepping stone, right? Better to air in moot court so you can fly exactly. in F Boy Island. You exactly, walked in moot exactly. court so you could run on F Boy Island. I lo- I love it. I love that. <laughs> So did she did she buy the speech? But was CJ receptive? Oh, this, oh yeah, I got a round of applause after with everyone. It was phenomenal, and then I still ended up getting eliminated. And then it was it was kind of a like very dramatic out of a movie. They're like filming my walkout, and then CJ came to the balcony above uh, the scene where it took place. She's like, "You have to understand, I, I don't have total control of things like you may think." And I'm like, "It's fine." At this point, I didn't know. <laughs> When I was being eliminated, that I was going to go live in a castle, uh, which I did for <laughs> yes. the rest of the show. So the nice was, was boy grotto, grotto. Um, so amazing to be a nice guy. One of my favorite scenes is the scene of you making the smoothie, in which you and someone else were throwing various smoothie making. Oh, I'm, I'm, on... in, the, I'm in the cake one. Uh, I oh wasn't yeah, in the, the smoothie yeah. One. yeah, 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 yeah. No, but throwing the various ingredients at mm. one another in the nice guy grotto. It was just it was so very the nice guy grotto. Like you all genuinely seem to be having more fun once you were eliminated and allowed to just hang out with each other. Absolutely, because you remove that competitive tension. It's kind of like being a, a summer associate at a law firm. You know everyone's going to get an offer for the most part, and you just kind of go to the events, have a big lunch, and, and hang out. So nice that's what guy it was grotto like is the summer associateship. <laughs> exactly. What exactly. is Limbro then? So tell us about Limbro. Uh, It'd be like it'd be like walking into a Federalist Society meeting for the free Chick-fil-A and then having to stay to listen to the speech, which happened to me once. And I was like, it's not worth the free Chick-fil-A. Mark, you are speaking my language. I once got food poisoning at a Federalist Society event. So these these are the things that listeners need to know. Um, mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. just thinking about the parallels between law school and FBoy Island. Exactly. So. Yeah, I, th- I think I made that mistake in October of my one L year, and then I just realized just I'm just going to walk home and make a sandwich every day now instead of that because <laughs> no no free sandwich is really free. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make Mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night, no matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. Guys, it's been a rough year going to get rougher and you deserve a little treat for not going insane yet you could head to the local tiki bar and tell the bartender do your worst but we have a better idea for you which is pick out something from the crooked store the store is stocked with tons of new merch it's perfect for the spring and classics like the friend of the pod tees that you'll be wearing long after the next administration or the next fascist dictatorship depending on how things go pick up a new tee for the warm weather ahead a mug that'll remind you to stay involved this election year or a hat celebrating your favorite pod go to crooked.com store to shop 
Calling all Crooked Media fans, we need your feedback and we're 100% prepared to bribe you for it. This is a new way for those of you who love Crooked content and our mission to make your voices heard. It's your chance to influence everything from merch designs to our digital content to what Love It Eats for Lunch. Okay, I guess. That last part's a joke, obviously. He's ordering Panda Express again and no one can stop him. I'm reading this. That's true. Did they not know I was going to read this? <laughs> Here's how it works. Just fill out a survey about your Crooked podcast preferences and you're in. We'll reach out to you when we need your opinion and you'll get a promo code to the Crooked store every time you participate. So sign up, help us out because Tommy gets scared when you show up at his gym to tell him about your t-shirt ideas. That is true. It was a good idea though. Go to crooked.com slash insiders to join today. Are you like me and tracking the polls obsessively this election year? Well, Dan Pfeiffer's right there with you, and he's taking them seriously, but not literally. Take an average of the polls. Don't forget about any one poll. And the thing that we try to tell everyone in every episode of this podcast is a poll that has Biden up to and a poll that has Biden down to, they all tell you the exact same thing, which is this is a very, very close race. The goal of this podcast is to help people understand polling and freak out about it just a little bit less. Explore the latest polls, what they actually mean, and whether or not it's time to hit the panic button Tune into Polar Coaster with Dan Pfeiffer, Cricket's latest subscriber exclusive show. To get access, subscribe to our Friends of the Pod community only at cricket.com slash friends. So, so I, I have a question then. So there are yes. things that you could control on F-Boy Island mm-hmm. and obviously things that were out of your control, including the edit that you got. But one of the things in your control were your clothing choices. So one... <laughs> <laughs> This is not shade. I admired everything you did. Like, I mean, you came out blazing in a blazer. And I want to know, one, where did that pink and green palm tree blazer come from? Because it's fabulous. Two, what did the other guy say about your sartorial choices? Because I did not count a number of shirts among that group. And you were not only in a shirt, but in a blazer. So, so going in, you know, I knew it was a comedy and I actually found out this was probably three weeks ago or so. I'm in a group chat with, with everyone and some of the producers and, uh, someone had replied to, uh, you know, I think it was like Buzzfeed that had the first review of the show and they weren't that favorable. They're like, it doesn't make sense. It's almost like it's a joke. And it's like, well, it is a joke. But, uh, we started replying in the group chat. One of the kids goes, wait, this show was a parody. And then I realized not everyone was kind of in on that, which was interesting. And um, but so, you know, I knew it was a joke. And then also I'm normally wearing like suits and blazers for work. But um, I knew that going on to a tropical island like that would be very entertaining to bring a few. And the producers were super on board. And if I had known how popular they would be, I would have brought more. But um, basically the Vineyard Vines blazer, the pink and green one that I had, I got that the day before I left for the Caymans um, because kind of solidified everything uh, with my work and then with Warner Brothers in early February. And then I ultimately ran the idea past my parents Uh, and they were surprisingly uh, receptive to it. And my dad was like, my father's a military psychologist and he's more conservative. My mother's more liberal. So I was expecting my dad to be like, don't do this. But my mom was the one who was like, "Ah, I don't know. You can't really control these things. And my dad was like, honestly, do it. You may learn something about yourself. So I tell my parents and then I have like a week to get 
a bunch of stuff for the show. So I was at a mall in uh, in New Jersey because I was having to get bathing short suits hills? for the show. Was it the Short Hills Mall? Yeah, it was. It was the Short Hills Mall. Yep, and because I only had one one pair of swim trunks prior to this, and, and oh they no, sent you us definitely needed list. more swim trunks for this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, and and so uh, they sent us a packing list. I'm like, it looks like I need nine more pairs of swim trunks. So I'm I'm at this mall and I see this blazer at Vineyard Vines. I'm like, that's ridiculous, and I I want that. So I walk over. It was two thirds off. So I got it for seventy five dollars, and it was the best did. investment. I ever made. I was. I mean, who else is buying that in in February? So during a global <laughs> pandemic, I loved it. I, I just like. I'm, I, I'm no shade at all, Mark. I'm teaching my first class in in the classroom in like a year and a half tomorrow, and I'm mm-hmm. legitimately wearing a blazer that has birds all over it. So oh, I, I see that. you. I, love I loved it. I I, I wanted <laughs> to buy one for my husband. Um, it, it's such a great look. You look fantastic. I have so many questions about the sartorial choices. I mean, like, there's so many men who only button their shirt at the navel. And I I, I have questions about that. Um, Mm -hmm. Greg, and, and like, does he use beard oil? He talked a little bit about oiling his beard, but I didn't actually see that happening. But there were a lot of, like, very tight facial hair issues going on. Like, people were very precise Mm -hmm. in their facial hair grooming. It, it, well, and it, it was funny because so we were living in uh, at this resort. It was called the Cottages. That it was you know normally very nice, like one bedroom places. And they removed all of the nice beds and they put four beds in a room, two bunk beds. And so imagine four guys on a reality TV show having to use one bathroom to get ready. So I remember it would be like me, Anthony, Colin, and Andrew was our other roommate at the time, and he'd been eliminated. But you know we'd have to start getting ready if. It was seven o'clock, let's say like two hours in advance at five because someone would need to iron their shirts. I ended up usually doing all the ironing and teaching a few people how to iron. Uh, and then other people would need to shave. Other people would need to do whatever. And it was just this whole ordeal. So four four guys, one bathroom, reality TV, kind of wild. But uh, Greg does use beard oil. And he's starting his own uh, beard oil company or doing a partnership with one, I believe. Good so for him. That's perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah, exactly. That's great. It's very on brand, right? So He should definitely send some product to James Hardy. Exactly. 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 When, when I when I saw Greg, I was like, "That's I have not seen a beard like that in person ever. So I've only well seen James Harden's on TV. So well mm-hmm. moisturized. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. You could see it on the screen. It was it was truly fabulous. Um, <laughs> back to law school. Mm-hmm. It goes without saying that law school is populated on the one hand by some very nice boys. Like I, for example, met my husband on the first day of law school. He was a nice okay. boy. Um, they're also F boys in law school. So how mm-hmm. does the average law student discern between those who belong in the nice boy grotto and those who are F boys and belong in Limbro? I think that determination is something that comes out with time. I think the unique thing about law school is I remember showing up and, you know, it's a super intimidating environment day one. You're around people who, uh, you know, they've known that they've wanted to go to law school for a long time for the most part. And it's something that you know, you're judged solely on your class rank for the most part, whether you want a clerk or you want to get a big law job. And everyone kind of knows, OK, if I'm going to X school, here's the, here's the employment you know, statistics. So I need to be above X percentage, whatever. And, it, it, you know, that tension is there from from day one. And I think you definitely see people's true colors come out over time. But I would say it takes about a semester to really get to know someone, like especially when it's December, right during the 
the first 1L finals and, you know, someone who seems cool, calm and collected, maybe they start losing it then. And, you know, other people who were super quiet, they end up, you know, getting all A's in classes and coming out swinging with a bunch of, you know, extra confidence the next semester. So I thought that my opinions of people changed uh, from day one to then the uh, kind of beginning of the second semester. But I think that second semester point is when you're, you're very much able to uh, to make a, a judgment call. But also, if you're going to law school, you should really just focus during fall of 1L and then you can focus on dating after that, I think. That, w- that would be my advice to new 1Ls. Focus on dating after 1L. Mm-hmm. 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 No, after, after the fall of 1L. After I the think fall the of 1L. Fine. Yeah, yeah. So, so when I went to law school, they had this thing called this this sort of idea they called the January man. And the January man was someone that you would not have looked twice at in September. But by January, it's cold. You've been in the books for a long time. Everyone starts looking better. Like, is, is that really why you want to do this after first? <laughs> I'm not saying if it's true. This was just the lore that was passed down to me from other law students um, as, as I entered law school. Um, I, I definitely I definitely think there's some truth to that. You know, you're, you're kind of removed from a normal. It's almost like being on F-Boy Island where you're just around this unique group of self-selecting individuals that's uh, very different in, in some ways good, in some ways bad than the normal population. Something that F-Boy Island had was some remedial opportunities yes. slash therapy for F-boys. Rehabilitation. So, exactly. Like, is there a similar opportunity during law school for, let's say, some F-students to try and make themselves into better people? And how might they go about that? So that that's funny. What, what initially came to mind when I heard that question was that, you know, if you don't make law review by grading on, you can always write on. So there there is a remedial opportunity for that. But I, I think something um, that's important for people to to do is kind of if, if things don't work out as you first plan them, you know, everyone goes into law school thinking they're going to be number one in their class, clerk for, you know, whoever, and then just go off and, and change the world. But I, I think it's something that uh, it's important to just always kind of remember your original intentions for going to law school. And like one of the things I always hated to see is someone who, you know, goes in wanting to do some type of public interest law and then, you know, a semester in switching to corporate law. And I, I think a lot of people do lose themselves because it's such a high pressure environment. You know, if you're not from a family of lawyers, no one's really going to kind of get what you're going through. And that just to be able to kind of have a neutral perspective, remove yourself and be able to reset always creates an opportunity for redemption. But by being able to kind of be involved in activities and groups that, you know, aside from like a law review or whatever journal that kind of really actually pique your interests, I think is something that's super important to me, or even just to take classes outside of what you normally would for whatever path you're going down. Maybe start a student group for aspiring reality television show contestants, right? Exactly. Exactly. I feel like UVA would be a good place to start that group. So there's there's It'd be a great place for a reality TV show. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, full stop. Someone get Risa Golubov on the phone. Um, So I noticed on F-Boy Island that there were a couple of things that happened, I think, are just provide sort of nuggets of advice for law students. So one, you know, there was a very infamous dancing episode where one of the contestants 
danced in such a way that he later said, you know, his mama might be really embarrassed if, if she saw it. So like, that's one bit of advice. Don't do anything in law school that would embarrass your mother or your father. Or- and that statement from Cam, he was he was in the Chippendales. So I'm not sure where that came from. He was also a realtor, he- though. Yeah, well, you got to you got to be versatile in this economy, yeah. you know, and be able to, yeah. But I, but I thought that was like like when he when he apologized for it and and said, you know, like he regretted it because like this is not the person his mother would want to see mm-hmm. on television. You know, like that's just good advice. Like don't do anything you wouldn't want your mom or dad to see in in law school. So that seemed to ring true. Um, you know, another piece of advice is sort of law school is 3 years, but your reputation as a lawyer is for a long time, and, and you begin building that reputation while you're in law school. So I remember when, um, I guess, Colin and you, Garrett, got into a fight, or Colin and Colin was fighting with a lot of people. Like, let, let's be Colin honest. and New, yeah, Colin oh, and New yeah. Jared, maybe. I so it was, uh, it was, it was OG Jared, OG uh, Jared, and then New yeah. Jared, yeah. and yeah. Then actually, New, New Jared was staying with me uh, two nights ago. So. Oh wow. New Jared, like who's like basically a doppelganger for Russell. Right, Wilson. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um but but like the point of all of this is like don't start fights in law school because like those people will mm-hmm. remember you for forever. Like this is not the place to get in some beef over a guy or a woman or whatever. Like just like this is a professional space and you're carrying that professional relationship with you forever. Exactly. And, I, you know, I, I think it's a little bit two sided, though, um, because I think one, at least for for me, like the importance of your network from law school. And I think one of the things that's really cool is that, you know, you have a lot of people who will go on to be lawyers, you know, most will and immediately after graduation. But then you're going to start to see people getting involved in public life and just doing a broad array of things. So it's always important to, you know, keep up with people after you've made a good impression. But I also think, too, uh, you know, you never want to be that guy who uh, is trying to run for president and is just kind of, you know, a a stickler and thinking that they're holier than thou. So, you know, you want to be personable with people and and get to know people, especially outside the classroom. And I think one of the great things about UVA is that uh, there are a lot of social opportunities to really be able to get to know people who otherwise, you know, you wouldn't if you're just at a bar or something. And so I think some of the best friendships I have from the law school were with people who, you know, you would never really think to engage in a conversation uh, because you don't think you have that much in common. And I think that was also true about F-Boy Island is that some of my best friendships from there are with people who, if you were to look at us, you know, you would never think we would be friends in real life. And so by forcing yourself initially to just get to know different people, you never know what you may learn. You never know, you know, if you may strike up a new friendship. So if you had to pick a Supreme Court justice or pick the Supreme Court justice most likely to appear on F-Boy Island, who would it be? Easy. E- it's Kavanaugh. Easiest question of the day. Like, is, See, it, is this a serious? This is why, this is you, you why take- when we found out you were a graduate of UVA Law, our listeners were like, you need to have Mark on the show. Yeah. They knew yeah. this was the crossover that America needed. Exactly. And, you know, having gone to a, a it was a co-ed Catholic school um, in outside of D.C., just as Kavanaugh did, but he went to Georgetown Prep, which is just single sex. Uh, I think if you were to take him in high school, he would be on F-Boy Island, probably get eliminated second episode, if not the first. And then he'd be stuck in in, uh, in, <laughs> in, in prison or the Federalist <laughs> Society meeting uh, with no Chick-fil-A lunch. So, so historic F-Boys on the court. Like, like, <laughs> Roger Tani. Okay, so, <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, well, well, I actually have a funny story um, that you guys will both appreciate because when you said historic, I was I was going to have to throw Scalia out there um, because his son was my priest growing up and I didn't know who Scalia was when I first went to law school. Like, or I didn't know who this individual was that when I would go to church with my dad and there's a, an older man falling asleep in the back of the church every Sunday, like, who's that guy? Come to find out, oh, that's Justice Scalia. Absolutely hilarious. Um, he would be up there. I don't know if he'd make it fully through casting though. You know, he may not have enough F-boy tendencies. Yeah, that's probably right. That's probably right. Um, the thought of Justice Kavanaugh in Limbro though it's so good yeah like that's probably something we will be returning to in future episodes because i think there's more to say there with peter Um, (laughs) devidge i would i would love love just to see the interaction you just throw him in there with the rest of us and just see what happens it would be honestly the reality tv season two idea so yeah it's been renewed future seasons Supreme Court goes to F-Boy Island. Exactly. Exactly. Who who knows? Who came here with good intentions? Why couldn't any of these women count? Because you started off with 24 men and they were evenly divided between nice boys and F-Boys. So mm-hmm. if you like, I think any woman going to law school would be like, I'm just going to write these names down and then I'm going to like check them off and I'm going to know who's mm-hmm. an F-Boy and then I'm going to get rid of them. But like, why couldn't these mm-hmm. women count? Well, I think I think that some of them, uh, you know, which is also representative of real life, you know, they didn't all want nice guys. And I think that, mm-hmm. you know, it, thank you, as thank true, you for saying yeah. that. Yeah. So as, that's why I, you know, was eliminated. But, um, you know, I, and I think that's true in real life. Sometimes people want the excitement, the allure of, you know, someone who's a little bit of a bad boy. And that can either, you know, go very well if you help to reform them or then you just end up like one, you know, contestant looking kind of like an idiot on television for ignoring all the red flags. So... I'm going to let that one go because we all know I have thoughts. I like this show was such a gift in the pandemic, like so much fun to watch. Um, You guys were fantastic. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you you for being a part of this, um, this epic cultural moment. Absolutely. Our producer, Melody, um, actually got me a cameo from one of the nice guys on the show, Josh, to cheer me on as I was finishing my tenure file. So this really was like the immersive experience at Mm -hmm. one point during the pandemic for – Turns out a lot of law school students and law school professors. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I'm just glad that uh, I could be here to, to help aid with that. It was funny because uh, UVA, they, they published this article the other day about uh, a guy who's from my class who he was selected to clerk at. Uh, I think for Roberts, but anyway, um, you know, they're like, Oh, at UVA, we're, we're fifth in terms of placement for Supreme court clerks. I'm like, well, actually you're number one in terms of placement for law schools in F boy Island. So they should be running with that. Why stat. is it Risa Golubov <laughs> putting this on the website? Like, like this is I, the statistic. I'm not sure. We're giving mm-hmm. them uh, a bunch of free PR because I mean, we're always giving UVA free PR, but I mean, this is just a missed opportunity. Like first in F-boy island placements. I couldn't agree more. You know, I really think that they need to, this could help them appeal to a bunch of different new applicants. So I think you should be the commencement speaker, Mark. I'm just going to put that I, out I, there. I think so, too. I think so, too. <laughs> put that out there. We, uh, we could have Nikki Glaser give the intro and then oh. just take it from there. <laughs> 
I mean, she actually, I think, really was the winner of F Boy Island. Like her yes. career was the winner. But um, yeah, yeah. A- absolutely. I- I'm going to start that petition right now. Um, I love it. Yeah, Mark <laughs> for commencement speaker. Mark for commencement speaker, and Nikki Glaser for new chief public information officer of the Supreme Court. Right. I think that that exactly. is the branding that and messaging that the Supreme Court needs. I think so, too. It really helped to appeal to a younger demographic, get some new people interested and, uh, you know, combine a little bit of a comedic touch with a serious element. So and she's I'm, someone I'm who it. can force people to make decisions. And we exactly. know that there mm-hmm. have been situations where the Supreme Court has needed to make a decision. Yeah. And like yeah. and like when when uh, or, or they declined to make a decision and then I think Nikki would have been like, like we're today. not leaving until we figure this out. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she would also force them to explain themselves, mm-hmm. right? It's she not did. enough she did that. She just did that. to say I'm reformed or I'm a nice guy. She's like I need to see the progress. I need to hear. Exactly. Exactly. The best explanation of reformation had to have been Charlie. That was absolutely wild Masterful. to watch that happen Ma- chef's kiss chef's kiss yeah oh yeah yeah just oh it was amazing and, and and so did you notice how um he didn't go into limbro with the rest of yes. the eliminated where was yes. he was he just wandering in the wilderness all night long the, there was a big issue in terms of um what happened after that with all of the production team and his response and how he uh felt which under the contract uh everything could have been anticipated uh and the consequence of his actions could have been anticipated and it's funny watching it now because people are like oh they can't use our our casting tapes and it's like yes yeah, they, they can. legally read can. the contract like, charlie yeah read the yeah, contract yeah <laughs> So, yeah, no, and, you know, and we'll see how his progress is. Maybe they'll do a check-in or something on season two, but I know a reunion has been floated. Um, but a few minutes ago, I had a great thought. If they were to ever make anything with a Supreme Court reality TV, I would want real off-the-fly interviews with the clerks as they're writing the opinions to just hear the thought process. And then uh, I want to see the pickup basketball games at lunch, too. Those would be my two big things. So we have our wish list, Marcus commencement speaker for UVA, and some windows into the Supreme Court, you know, clerkship and justices, F-Boy Island style. So maybe we should wrap up. Um, Mark, thank you so much for making time for this episode and sharing your wisdom with law students, our listeners, and aspiring F-Boy Island contestants, including you, Justice Kavanaugh, if you're listening. (laughs) Um, Thank you to our producer, Melody Rowell. Thanks to Eddie Cooper for making our music. I'm sorry, Sam Alito, we didn't really see a way that you might factor in or figure into F-Boy Island, but we are available for some consulting. But really, thank you, Mark. This was a delightful episode, a rare bright spot in what has been a pretty dark moment for the Supreme Court and the culture surrounding it. So thank you so much. Well, thank you both so much. I really appreciate this. This has been phenomenal. So I uh, can't wait to hear it. And I will, uh, I, I'm going to make a little meme that I think you guys will enjoy uh, of something we discussed and you'll get a kick of it. Cannot wait. <laughs>